case we use any of this. Uh, I have to admit that uh, without Skype call recorder, even though Zoom records everything, um, where I don't actually see it, like the little app that mm-hmm. is like, yep, here's the, the timestamp. This is how long we've been recording the call. Uh, I get far more nervous about what's Me actually too. being recorded or lost. Is this um, is this being yes. recorded? Yeah. Um, I forgot. This is uh this is my episode again. Yeah. So, by the way, what did you think of the uh, the final edit of um, um, oh, what was the 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 Clark Gable? Uh, it happened one night. Oh, oh. I haven't listened to any uh, like. I, I don't know if that's a sign of trust. I only listen to them after I post them. <laughs> I listen to them when they can show up in my overcast. But that one came out already, right? No. I think that's still – that's because we don't have Road Trip up yet. Oh, yeah, Road you're Trip's right. Road the last one, so it happened one night. It is the first one after that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because um, Webb has asked me the same thing, and I'm like, I don't know. You could – put nothing but fart noises on loop for 30 <laughs> minutes and it, it'll go in the feed because I, I'm just like, yeah, it's probably good. Oh, that's right. I, uh, that's why I got confused. I was sure it had come out, but it's because I did an episode with Andrew about it happened one night. That's the one that, yeah. Okay. How dare you? Fucking Oscar Cheating. winners. I did that yep. one before you. <laughs> you know, it's not going to come out until way after. You are the, <laughs> you're my side chick. It's, <laughs> in this case, all right. Much like so, uh, Cameron Diaz. There we go. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Here's a proper introduction to the best film that will ever appear on this feed. Oh, here we go. Hello. You're amazing. Hola. Hola. Did you get to work all right? Yeah. No, actually. Horrible dream. You dream you'd never see me again. I left your apartment. I went downstairs to the car, and my friend, the stalker, had followed me there. Julie. Yes, and she wanted to talk to me. And I remember, I had this uh, buzz, you know, that buzz from you and me. And I think my uh, my mind was still on that terrible drawing of me, <laughs> but. She was upset. Uh, I don't know. You know, I got in the car and she drove off a bridge and committed suicide with me in the car. I thought you were going straight to work. But I survived. With my arm and my face reconstructed. And what's worse, I can't wake up. your house after the party. Party? What party? The party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My dress, 
Floppy shoes. I spill something on your shirt. Sweet and sour. I'm the saddest girl to ever hold a martini. Sky, yes, um, which I did not like as much as I did as, how old was I when this came out? 19? 19 years old, that's how old I was. Um, and it's, it's a, it's strange. It is a like young man's, but also a middle-aged man's like life crisis movie at the same time, mm-hmm. because uh, this is about a very stunted uh, rich man. Uh, who really is just interested in, in himself, and not only that, but in what music he's listening to at the time, like the fucking classic movies he's got on, the background. Like... There's a lot of known songs in this movie. It was very distracting mm-hmm. for me this time this time around. Yeah, uh, I mean, so much so. I knew you would like that Tom Cruise almost gets himself and Jason Lee killed because he's reaching for a Radiohead CD in his car. This dumb gets... motherfucker. <laughs> That's what you fucking get for liking Radiohead, you pompous asshole. That so is the does... worst thing he did in this movie, is listen to Radiohead. How does the opening scene play for you, the opening dream sequence with uh, everything in its right place uh, playing, bringing you into the movie? Ugh, God. I mean, it, this movie has a lot of work to do to get me on, <laughs> to get me on board so after that moment. Your, your hatred of Radiohead um, is as unseemly, I think. <laughs> it is. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're not seem, wrong. It doesn't seem to fit uh, with the rest of your taste. And I'm kind of surprised because I feel like it's actually one of like the the perfect sort of introductions to this particular guy. Uh, so, because... Radiohead would be a band that he would be into because it's just hip enough, but also mainstream enough to where it doesn't scare him. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. Like all jokes aside, that opening sequence works. Like it's, it's, it's perfect for Tom Cruise closes down Times Square. I mean, it is the power of movie stars. I love it. It's great. Uh, My issues with Radiohead are, it's not that they're terrible. They're not, they're fine they're talented they do very well for themselves <laughs> they're, they're, i'm sure they're comforted now like, but oh, yeah terrible. yeah they're Thanks. comforted by their billions of dollars <laughs> they'll be fine they made so much money they decided not to charge for albums anymore that's how good I mean, they that, were that's doing. just being on, honest with how the uh the uh, economy works in their field yeah, now like that's, yeah that's very true <laughs> but this was you know actually it kind of ties into a couple episodes ago we were talking about like watching something that is beloved 
and you're like, what am I missing? And that's how I felt with Radiohead, where I liked a couple of their songs, and then I was like, and the rest, I'm like, oh, this is just noise. Um, I'm not into this. Like, I can't, I can't focus on it. It blends into the background, but everyone's like, no, this is genius. The new Mozart. Like, it's just like, oh, okay, okay. calm down. Uh, not, not quite my tempo. I'm just not. Not into this, um, so it All never right, really. Simmons. So it never. Oh, really, I love the hero this of that reality movie. where you, <laughs> shaved head, are throwing uh, drumsticks and cymbals at Tom Look, York's head. <laughs> as my hair thins, we might get to that point. <laughs> that might be a legitimate option for me. Uh, so yeah, so Radiohead aside, that that opening really works. But I also think visually, most of this movie works. I think you can have your complaints about it. I think there are complaints to be had. I think it's. The best way I can describe this movie is that it's just kind of a beautiful mess. Um, I really like this movie. Uh, does it hold up um, to any kind of scrutiny? Probably not. Uh, but it's got movie stars. I mean, it's got, you know, it's got Tom Cruise. It's got Penelope Cruz. Like, those two together have this amazing chemistry. It's got Cameron Diaz in maybe my second favorite role of hers. Uh, in her career, it's like this in the holiday. Those are the, uh, those are those are not, the two. Not a, uh, sweetest thing, fan. You know, I've never seen that, and it feels like a movie I would despise. So, it's a uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. It's on my short list for this very show. I'm like, oh, I could, I could program that one. Isn't there a blowjob humor in that? Oh, one. Oh well, maybe I will like it then. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the, the yeah. change in mm. the tenor of your voice. <laughs> <Maybe>. on that. <laughs> So, yeah. So, I mean, it just – it doesn't really hold together, but it's got so many actors that I really like that I I feel like I give it a pass. Like, it's – you know, I like Jason Lee. I like Kurt Russell. You know, Michael Shannon, who we mentioned on the last episode briefly, is also in this way too briefly. I wish he had about ten more scenes in this movie of just him being like an abusive guard. <laughs> like, <laughs> Much like Man of Steel, he gets to yell at our handsome lead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess work. when he's yelling at him, Tom Cruise is not so handsome. Calls him face. <laughs> I'm going to get you face. Uh, like a Dick Tracy character. Only, only Michael Shannon could get away with saying things like that and me be on board for it. So, yeah, like I think this is a really fun movie. Like, I Did you ever see the original, the Abre Los Ojos? Admittedly, not until after uh, Vanilla Sky. And I, you know, I became obsessed with this movie when it, it came out. I was... It was also in my uh, – I, I consumed – I enjoyed at that time in my life the buildup to movies a mm-hmm. lot more. So coming off of our like Waterworld episode where I was sort of taken aback that there could be this uh, narrative uh, before film comes out. Uh, this is you know um, my freshman year of college and I have access to broadband internet for the first <laughs> time. So I'm just like consuming trailers, teasers, all of that Um uh, much, you know, the the summer after this, episode two will come out. I was a big Star Wars fan. And so mm-hmm. every single fucking teaser, uh, it's like, ooh, it's Darth Vader's breathing noise <laughs> for 60 <laughs> seconds. It's oh! new footage. Yeah. <laughs> Is I it? was there. <laughs> and so uh, Vanilla Sky was, I distinctly remember at that time, uh, being fucking pumped because it had this cool ass trailer of, you know, music I was into at the time and uh, it looked weird. It looked like, honestly, um, and this would be in the same uh, time period, uh, you had Donnie Darko and Mulholland Drive and this mm. all coming out in that fall. Uh, so not, <laughs> I guess, specifically aping each other, but there was something in the air for all these filmmakers where it was this like dreamlike nature of our main characters 
um, and this uh, narcissism uh, for all three leads, which I quite like. Here, here's the, the quote, uh, which is actually easier this time on Rotten Tomatoes, because it's the very first one uh, that they have. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader says, I now find Cruz tolerable only when he's in a movie that undercuts or ridicules his narcissism, as mm. Eyes Wide Shut did, and as this movie does even more noticeably. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, because as you all know, I'm a fan of Tom Cruise really in any uh, right. former fashion. Mission Impossible 2, uh, which I guess is also about his narcissism, but celebrates it as the, the <laughs> <Yes>. right <laughs> and truthful course of action for Ethan Hunt. Um I I was I was in for this one before I even saw it, and I actually thought I'm so hyped for this that it can only be a disappointment that they mm. it, somehow they've managed they've massaged this trailer to make it look more interesting than what it is. But every time I go back to watch it, I'm like, man, this is a this is a weird fucking like so Christmas weird. release <laughs> for Tom Cruise and Cameron Crowe, like the filmmakers that brought you Jerry Maguire and Cameron Crowe coming off of Almost Famous. This is like the victory lap movie in the best sense for me where it's like crow's like okay i've not done anything like this before it's not gonna be necessarily about a nice guy and nice things don't really happen to him the way he expects of i can just show up and be good looking and charming um he even has penelope cruz's character state that before you know all hell breaks loose it's like hey if you just are a nice person with a good attitude good things will happen to you and you know tom cruise uh you know I think 10 minutes later in the film gets in the car and then his face is all fucked up. Like, I mean, he survives, but, uh, so I was in the bag for this one and, um, I came out of it and then had to see, okay, okay. This was based on something else. And, um, I like Aubrey Loso hosts, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have the American elements that I'm kind of glad that the remake purposefully embraces, which is, this sort of idea of appropriation. And I mean, it's like, you know, literally an American filmmaker is appropriating another culture to be like, Oh, we can turn that into a movie with a movie star and sell some tickets. And this, right. I think this movie made a hundred million dollars, which is shocking. Yeah. Um, but it, the, he actually kind of went a little bit further and said, okay, if this is about sort of a vapid guy, uh, who's like to some degree soulless, um, and all he can really reference in his life is like things from pop culture. It did, it felt a little bit like Cameron Crowe was like looking at himself a little bit. Like mm -hmm. he's putting all the, the Cameron Crowe isms, like, you know, the, the Bob Dylan cover and all this stuff, but it has this really negative sensibility that's like, you've lived your life through the records that you like that you say, Hey, I'm, I'm into Radiohead now. That's me. Radiohead is me. <laughs> um, and it's so different from Almost Famous, which is looking at the, those times with, like, the, the warmest possible regards. Like, mm -hmm. that movie opens as a literal love letter. It's, you know, it's Cameron Crowe's hand writing the, the credits. Uh, and this one, it's like, man, what happened to you? Like, <laughs> yeah. no Cameron Crowe got divorced later, but he didn't get divorced in that, that year. And it's like, man, it's like he just suddenly <laughs> – he got all this acclaim for Almost Famous. And he was like, man, fuck Cameron Crowe. Fuck me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going a different direction. So – I always think, okay, that won't hold up as well because I was very young. But then I come back to it, and it's just it's so cynical about its main character in itself. Uh, while having some nice touches of a Cameron Crowe movie, they always pull the rug out from the character. They always are revealed to be false notions. These are false meet-cutes. Right. Uh, and the real romantic relationships that are happening, you actually have to be careful with your words. You can't just say something funny and charming and then go fuck another woman. 
Like that you were, it takes so long for the Tom Cruise character to realize he's dealing with an actual human being mm-hmm. as opposed to just uh, background noise to the, the story of his life. And that's, I, I really appreciate that for a, a mainstream release. Um, what, what is your sense of it now? Like, cause it was divisive then, but I, do, has it gotten the sort of Donnie Darko appeal? Like it, it ages up a little bit. Donnie Darko is clearly aimed. I mean, it's about a high school student, right? but I, I don't really know. Cause I, I was in the bag for it from the beginning. I can't really fairly judge if it, people have reappraised this and like picked it up and dusted it off and now like really dig this movie. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me to answer that because I didn't see this on release. Um, I saw it, uh, I would guess five or six years ago for the first time. Damn, um, it was after it was, a long time. It was after you and I had met. I know that. Cause like you would not fucking shut up about this movie. So I'm like, fine, I will watch. Yeah, that's, that <laughs> just comes up in casual conversation. We could be talking about the NBA playoffs. I'm like, it reminds me of the scene in vanilla sky. <laughs> this is not a joke. <laughs> this is absolutely true. So I watched it and you know, I was very into it when I watched it the first time and you're like constantly trying to kind of figure out where the movie's going, what it means. Cause it doesn't, one thing I both like and dislike about this movie is like through most of the movie, it refuses to explain stuff to you. There's a lot of stuff that's not making sense. That's not adding up and you're trying to track it as you go. What I don't like about it is that like near the end of the movie, we get fucking penny, penny store version of Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, Noah Taylor showing up to explain to everybody. Weirdest, most specific (laughs) insult. (laughs) I get mad every time he's in a movie and Ben Mendelsohn isn't because I'm like, oh, we could have someone so much better here who looks basically just like you. Uh, And he shows up and explains the entire plot. Like, here is where, here is the moment where everything changed and here is when you made your decision, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of like... I wish there was a better way to get this information across than just having a monologue about it. Um, Cause huh. the movie asks you to do all this work and then goes, Oh, never mind all the work you did. We're just going to tell you what you're supposed to think in this moment. And of course there's a moment at the end of the movie where you're like, is this true though? Like is, you know, is, was this guy telling the truth? What, what is the real end of this movie? And I like the fact that they don't give you that simple answer. You know, they let you kind of work it out as the credits roll. What do you think? Um, But it is also one of those movies that once you've seen it, uh, like you're not doing that work anymore. So then it becomes in a lot of ways, like strangely enough, like this is a great background movie for me. Like I've watched it probably four or five times now, but like I think this is the first time I've watched it like purposefully after after the first time I watched it. You know, the rest of the time it's like, oh, yeah, I know what happens in this movie. I know about the car crash. I know about Cameron Diaz. I know about the, the memory twist. I, uh, I'm i good. But it's entertaining and it looks really good, which is why I termed it kind of a beautiful mess. Um, and I don't understand the the negativity around this movie, maybe because I didn't see it when it first came out. But, like, everything I'd heard 42% about – 42% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. Now, audience score, shockingly, is 72%. Oh, that is shocking. This feels like a movie that critics would like more than audiences. Right. Yeah. You know, but I remember like I hadn't looked at any of the reviews. I hadn't really, you know, delved into any of that stuff. And like usually the reaction you get when you're like, oh, I'm going to watch Vanilla Sky. You're like, ugh, why? What a piece of shit. Movie doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not that bad. Like there, it has faults, certainly. But like it's a solid movie. Like I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I think the, 
the interactions between both cruises in this movie are wonderful. Like I, I think they work really well together. Like that that sequence where they're drawing the picture of one another, like I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. Works you know? better for you than uh, Titanic and the uh, I guess the <laughs> sketching before we uh, make love uh, scenario, which you know as a plot point, and I think it contributes to the the madness of the cruise character. They actually don't sleep together that night. Yep. Um, because he makes this whole it, – it's a very Crowism kind of speech. I don't remember if it's in the original of him being a pleasure delayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think it contributes to his insanity uh, because <laughs> he's like, now, damn it, I could have that night. Now, I'm not going to have <laughs> sex with Penelope Cruz. Like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a limit to this pleasure-denying thing. Like, you take your shot when you got it with someone who looks like that. I actually find uh, – so on rewatch, I, I've – I found that I had more of a handle on it on my first watch than I do mm-hmm. on subsequent viewings because um, I think that Crow managed to sort of walk between the raindrops here of uh, giving people a, a resolution of sorts to all of this, this story. Like, cause I mean, if you go to like Mulholland drive, um, there's a resolution, I guess, to the main thread mm-hmm. um, as far as, how they define the relationship between those two women. Uh, right. All of the other things is, is more of the side character snippets that are like, I don't know, just, just forget all that. Just focus on <laughs> Naomi Watts. And it's we world building. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Donnie Darko is a very similar fashion yes. that you can, you can understand what he did, but maybe not uh, how he got there so much. Uh, I don't have as much of a problem with the Noah Taylor explanation. And I think I'm like you, maybe on initial viewing, I'm like, oh, okay, they revealed more than I thought they were going to up to this point. But on rewatch, I find the the two cruises here, which perhaps is a, a better title. Uh, maybe they made $200 million if they'd done that. <laughs> I find their, their whole instant affection and ability to banter to be somewhat off-putting and unsettling, mm-hmm. uh, given what I know happens and what's what's possible in the rest of this world. It's it's possible that this is all in this guy's head or how he wants to recreate interactions he had with people that he, like, fucked over in some way. And mm-hmm. he, so he gets a, a chance to cast himself in a more appealing light. How much for? One kiss. That smile is going to be the end of me. What happens when your friend calls you tomorrow? He just met you a few hours before me. He'd do the same. I see that friendship is important to you. It is. It is. And as his best friend, I also know that he's trying to finish a novel about inadequacy and rejection. So the longer that I stay, the better it is for his career. Mm. Your career is the one I'd worry about. Sorry. No, no, you're more right than you even know. I used to be one of those guys that just uh, snowboarding through his life with no focus whatsoever when did you change about five minutes ago every passing minute is another chance to turn it all around and 
So on rewatch, I don't necessarily believe the film as far as I don't believe, I guess you're saying the, the ugly or poor man's version of Ben Mendelsohn when he's like, eh, here's, here's where the dream starts in your story. Everything, all that was real. And then everything else afterwards is all, it's all in your head and you just got to wake up because I find the stuff that happens before the supposed dream takes over to be far too dreamlike mm-hmm. um, and fanciful that I, I, I can't really believe the, the whole movie. And I think that he does have fun with this crow. I mean, he opens with a dream sequence um, in a movie about dreams. So it's not just from <laughs> this reel where this, this begins. Right. Um, and, and also like, do you, and you know where I stand on this. I'm trying not to repeat myself. Do you find any discernible difference before the, uh, the unfortunate uh, car ride with Cameron Diaz between Cameron Diaz and Penelope Cruz, as far as how they, they uh, project themselves to Tom Cruise, not how he relates back to them as far as which one is being cuter, which one is like, would be seen as, Oh, that's the romantic lead of this movie. Mm. No, um, I think the the big difference between them, and it's a little. I didn't think of this until you brought this up. That's a little now kind of off putting. Now that I think about it, is they cast Cameron Diaz as the villain version, yeah. right? Um, and she is the version that she's the version that fucks, right? There's a mm-hmm. whole like you know we had sex four times, you know. I swallowed your cum. That means something. Like there's a lot of like sexual imagery, and in a lot of ways. Penelope Cruz's character is much more, at least in their interactions, virginal, right? And sweet. And she's cast as a good character. At the library. Right. And brings her to this party. And she's got a gift for him. And she's cute and adorable. And she's, you know, she's uh, honest and happy. And she believes in positivivity. um, And, you know. Childlike, maybe? Like. Cameron Diaz, um, (laughs) the sacrifice that she's making, I think the film. Perhaps is shading it as far as, um, oh, she's not as serious of a person because she blows off an audition to come take care of and have sex with this guy. So is she a social climber? Is she? Why don't you just money? say thank you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, and so it it does. I mean, I think it treats Tom Cruise as a tourist of of people, mm-hmm. and because he comes in without really knowing Penelope Cruz's character. Uh, Sophia and looks at you know pictures that while I mean she's a beautiful woman and they're sort of tastefully and artfully done pic- they're like the best possible pictures so right. like before Instagram these are the ones that would be on your Instagram feed <laughs> in those days they, you put them on your I guess your refrigerator uh, while all of your selfies and whatnot but um, I, I'm always struck by he comes in and looks at her and he has the line I like I like your life and it's like I'd in some ways, it's like I'd like to insert myself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know much about you, but I just like the look of it more. And <laughs> Cameron Diaz is there. Like that's that's really the only difference between the two of them that she, is that she's already been in his life in a way. So it's like he's writing another episode. It's it's an interesting way to look at a womanizer because, as you said, they don't have him just outright have sex with multiple women, and you just see him as a cad. Um, but instead you see him as he's not someone that sticks and I don't really even know his taste. I don't know. He, he has, he doesn't seem like he's very discerning. I mean, in movie world, I think we're trained to see 
that Cameron Diaz can be the other woman somehow, right. <laughs> as opposed to the most beautiful thing on the planet, and you know, in a hundred mile radius. But I think it fits with this character, someone this rich and sort of uh, used to getting his way that mm-hmm. he can't even see Cameron Diaz for who she is until she, uh, you know. Yeah, he's just a stereotypical Radiohead fan. What do you what do you expect out of this guy? Just... Yeah, yeah. All, all Radiohead <laughs> fans are just banging Cameron Diaz and then just leaving them for <laughs> Penelope Cruz. <laughs> I'm sure they would like to think so. Um, but I'm glad you brought up um, the kind of unnaturalness of their their first meeting because um, it's something that bothered me on this. Like, I like the scenes with them later as they're like alone together, and like you have to make this leap. That you feel like this flirtation is working, uh, and I'm not sure it does. I feel like I feel like Jason Lee is doing the the heavy lifting in that by like drunkenly screaming at his friends, "Stop flirting!" Like he's just like, and you're like, "Are they really?" I mean, it's like they're smiling at each other, I guess, but like that scene doesn't really work for me. And like the thing that doesn't work for me the most, and this, you know, we could trace back in this, in this particular podcast, all the way back to brief encounter is I cannot stand male friendships where one guy like, is just like betraying his friend like this. Like at the, when they first meet, he tells him, that, you know, th- th- she might be the one. This is my dream girl. I really care about her. Please don't flirt with her. And I was like, what kind of man listens to that? <laughs> and you're rich and you're beautiful. And you can have every- any woman in the room. And you're like, yeah, well, fuck this guy. Like, I just... Like... The other uh, side of it, this doesn't make Tom Cruise look better. But uh, the fact that Jason Lee has to say, please don't flirt with this one. As if this is a common refrain of Yeah. Things. Um it is interesting, though, that Jason Lee, uh, and I don't know if he's just being, uh, I don't know if supportive would be the word of his buddy, where he's like, wow, you, uh, you're kind of dismissive of Cameron Diaz because uh, Julie Gianni is like my dream girl. Right. Uh, and I'm just shocked that you can just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just I'm a fuck, get, buddy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it does, it makes me wonder about, even the Jason Lee character, is he sincere in his uh, relationships with with women because he and the, the film is cute in that way that the word dream is dropped quite a bit so yes. you know yes. is that part of the sort of technical aspects of it where it's like we've got to we got to keep the audience on their toes and add to the rewatchability i think crow like he's he's been a little coy himself in interviews like as far as i don't want to reveal too much i'm like well i mean well, that's just watch the movie you, you kind of did <laughs> you do have a character give a big speech saying here's where your dream started so right. um you know i i like i'm i'm one in the camp saying i don't know if you can believe that totally but um you know having life is but a dream playing in the background like there's they're certainly doing it's like they're doing the uh the opening sequence of magnolia for like two hours they're doing <laughs> yeah. all of that sort of symbolism and the, the ricky J voiceover and whatnot mm-hmm. um but i i don't know and i'm i didn't really look on letterbox to see how it is how the tom cruise character has been perceived that's why i pulled that review from uh rosenbaum talking about his narcissism and it, you know, like sort of exposing that and really wallowing in it uh, i feel like this is both like a takedown of that type of character of the, the, the cad, uh, the man who sleeps around and doesn't really think much of his sexual partners, uh, while also 
embracing him as the hero. And the only way it can actually embrace him as the hero is if you buy into the conceit, like, well, this is a dream of his own making. So <laughs> there's going to be an equal measure of self-loathing and then a redemption story that this character would want to write for himself. Um, I don't know how that, you know, post me Too, how people really look at this character here, because that's, there's certainly uh, any number of modern films where I think that, they've been more hyper aware of men being non-committal, which used to just be a staple of the rom-com. Like, Oh, you got to tie them, tie them down to the tracks. Like, you know, right. otherwise they'll just sleep with everything. Uh, here there is a legitimate, uh, repercussions to this and that he's almost killed because of that, that lack of awareness as far as how he's affecting another person. Um, but I don't know. I've not seen sort of the, uh, the modern, I guess, ish criticism of it. Uh, mm. if they enjoy the takedown of Cruz or they think that it's, it's too forgiving of them. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think, you know, you had mentioned, I think a review that mentioned this in the same breath as eyes wide shut. And it's actually something that makes me appreciate Tom Cruise more as an actor is that he's willing to be in movies that mock him. I think both of these do, and I think he's a smart enough man to know that's what's happening. I don't think he's You're talking like, about the sketch that Sophia has where he's got a giant fucking <laughs> smile. <laughs> well that that and also just like, you know, playing the kind of rich pseudo celebrity trope here of someone who has no depth, right? Which is something that Tom Cruise has been accused of, especially before he had that great run where he was working with all these amazing directors and people just thought of him as like, you know, He's, quote unquote, just a movie star, like there's nothing to him. And I like the fact that he's, you know, doing these movies that are takedowns not only of him, but also of masculinity in general, which is something that he has gained great advantage because of. Um, and this is, I, you know, this is certainly not as good of a film as Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut is a classic. It's a five star movie for a reason. Um, I just checked uh, Letterboxd. The only account that matters at projecting film eyes wide shuts five stars vanilla skies four and a half so oh so half i'm right star less half <laughs> jesus, star less mike <laughs> jesus mike if only eyes wide shut had had a uh cameron diaz like character then <laughs> i don't think they have the marital problems that they do in that film i think she she nips that in the bud real quick that's right you survive the car crash you're gonna change your ways <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely uh although i think uh eyes wide shut has a better ending line than, than this movie does, but that's true of almost any movie. There you are with so. your toxic masculinity again. <laughs> like, you know, the, let our, our poor hero who's just been through the ringer of uh, of uh, a casual viewer of an orgy um, have his wife say, you know what we ought to do to fix this? Let's fuck. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a great ending to any movie. <laughs> I mean, maybe if Cruz had uh, offered that up, uh, she doesn't drive him off a bridge. Uh, yeah, as opposed to saying like, "She's got to go oh, for round is, five, buddy." It's fine. This is your uh, your demo. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> About like you with Radiohead, I can see you and Tom York in a car, and he just like <laughs> takes you off the road. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I think. Diaz is portrayed, at least in people's reactions to this movie, as like, oh, the the crazy scorned woman, right? Absolutely how, not. How I'm, you no know fear. how I feel about this. I do. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Where are you going so early? Don't record any more messages on my alarm clock, okay? <laughs> Why not? Because I'll start to think we're married or something. Oh, 
Don't ever say that word. I will never come over and bring you chicken soup and fuck your brains out again. How's your cold? Hmm. Still there. How about yours? You definitely took my mind off it. Really? <laughs> Juliana here. Hi, Raina. I missed my audition. I lost my head. And I watched this movie and, you know, there's even a, a sequence where, you know, Penelope Cruz's character, Sophia, sees her and, like, mentions, like, how sad she looks. Um, and it's an indictment of Tom Cruise's character in this movie that, like, he either doesn't notice or doesn't care or only cares because she's staring a hole in his back and it's uncomfortable for him. And no matter what happens, he doesn't care until his own life is threatened. He doesn't care that he's hurt her. He doesn't care that he's <laughs> strung her along because at no point does he say there's nothing between us. He also doesn't say like, I love you. I care about you. He's constantly keeping her at a distance, but he's not man enough to say like, this is only what it is. And we have to accept it for the relationship. It is. Here's the, the worst part of about his character the indictment is even in his dream world he still casts her as the crazy psycho killer that's aligning with this conspiracy of people that want to take over his company yeah uh and everyone is out to get him except for sophia who was pure and virginal and found a library but yeah even in his subconscious he is thinking um that is the boogeyman cameron diaz is the monster Michael, is Michael Myers come back? God, she wants to me. feed me soup and have sex with me. Oh, the pain! <laughs> come on, man. You know, people would kill for that treatment. You'll be fine. To me, this is the ultimate uh, eat the rich movie, which mm. I like because mm. I get to enjoy hanging out with the rich movie star and his charmed life, and I get to see him get his ass kicked mm -hmm. by beautiful women. Um, all with the nice sort of fatherly touch of Kurt Russell, you know, talking mm -hmm. with him about the Beatles and, and all that and all those nice moments. And as you mentioned, Michael Shannon, okay, I'm going to get you face. face. <laughs> God, also, the, you, the, you don't put that clip in here. He is the, <laughs> the, the part of his psyche that is saying, hey, uh, you slash I'm full of shit as Michael Shannon's your whole story's full of holes. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I love the idea of Michael Shannon being the version of yourself in your head who's like, you dumbass. None of this is good. Just stop it. That would be a, a tough existence because he's a he's an intimidating He's, he's a force. I've, yes. I mean, I, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, but I've, I have met this man in real life and I have stared at him in the face. He, or I, rather, he has stared into me. He's an imposing figure when he is just right on top of you just yeah. so um yeah tom I, you know i probably would prefer wearing the mask that tom cruise has in that just i would be a little bit hidden from, from right. the gaze of zod um yeah this is the best movie that we'll ever feature on this podcast so i don't uh i i, I really i mean i should sympathize with you you poor bastard dave because you've got the next next pick and we've not discussed this yet so i have some parameters i want to give you okay this will come out the next one, <laughs> I, I, I say this with uh, the utmost Penelope Cruz optimism that it will actually <laughs> hit this release date. <laughs> uh, the next episode will be coming out a few days before Mother's Day. So can you 
be tasked with finding. I mean, that's a pretty broad yeah. way to go Moms. about it. Moms. Can we can we not find the His Girl Friday? Can we find the broadcast news of moms, Dave? <laughs> Come on, find something that uh, where where the mom is not talking uh, seven hundred words a second, and uh, hopefully the, <laughs> the stream quality is fairly nice. Hmm, I have to think about this. I don't have one, and it's like usually I have something in my mind where I'm like, Dave should have done this. And I'm, I'm not going to tell him until <laughs> I see if I liked his movie or not. And if I didn't, then I'll come in and correct him and be like, well, here's the right answer, Dave. Here's where you should have gone. But I don't know. You know, hmm. classic about moms. Sure. Yeah. Should be easy enough. It's going to be, it should be easy, but I don't know that it will be. Are you saying the uh, American Film Institute hates mothers? Yes. There's nothing that, there. That is what I'm saying. Sight and sound as well. They, they hate moms. <laughs> I'm sure they all do. I think also, like, I think we may run into some of the same issue that we had with uh, the the roommates thing. Is that it's like, you know, it's either comedies or, like, very warm-hearted. And, like, critics hate that shit. They hate, mm. they hate movies that are mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> so <laughs> that might be an issue. Let's see. Let me look up AFI and see if there's anything that just screams mom. Hmm. Oh, what are we, what are we talking about, Mike? Psycho. We got to do Psycho. That's the ultimate mom you know movie, what? right? I I can agree with that. All right. <laughs> I was you like, why am I my, looking at my arm <laughs> on that one? Sure, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we're gonna do Psycho. So that's gonna All right, be. Yeah. So we're not that far off from Vanilla Sky, really. No. Yeah, you know, we're kind of been kind of in the same yeah. field. Okay. Yeah. All right. Psycho this. I mean, I guess. I'll see if I can find (laughs) something to complain about, but unlikely. Good luck. Oh, did I not mention we're going to do Gus Van Sant's Psycho? No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm there too. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) The movie you're most obsessed with, which is the strangest thing. I got uh, noticeably excited. I'm like, okay, you want to go that direction? I'm down. (laughs) My emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh if you cover your tattoo. Something cheap and new. But you can't erase mistakes. It's on your skin, it's in your blood, it's on your cinephile kink where i'm like oh so it's it's that time like oh we gotta spice it up gus van sant psycho